Okay, good morning. Today's class is in Rufushalim of Miriam, but in Apesi Yuchevet, in Siam Benema, also in the Unishmad, Yerachmad, the Adam and Gedalia, and the success in Yerachemaim of the Sheva Maravaka, the Abel Sheva, Shafan Sheva, Emma Sheva, Reina Makabatovasha. This Tuesday night's class, we're going to have, Bishat Hashem, a class on finding positivity and negativity. Really, really amazing concepts. Um, that you're going to hear, which is very, very different um, from what the world teaches you about positivity. Rabbi Nachman's main message, is, he's telling you anytime there's positivity, there's negativity right next to it. And it gives us a great example of echo. What is an echo? He says anytime there's a positive sign, there's an echo behind it. You want to go speak and you want to go talk to Hashem, your wife says, what are you doing? What are you, what are you doing? Go come help with the kids. Anytime there's a positive Positivity, here comes an echo. You want to do something good? There's an echo in your head telling you, don't do it. This beautiful concept about this echo thing. And one time, a beautiful example, this was Rabbi uh, Kramer. Um, one time he, he came up with the yeshiva in, in, in Meisharm, a breast of yeshiva, which is very, very difficult to get all Jews to sit in one room and agree on anything, obviously. So what happened is all of a sudden he was doing really, really good for one, two weeks. He was doing really, really good. And he didn't understand why his Rosh Hashiva didn't, didn't thank him and say, hey, wow, great job for what you're doing. I can't believe you pulled this off. He was afraid. He was concerned. He was waiting for the echo. So all of a sudden people were complaining, oh, you don't, you don't learn enough this, you don't learn enough that. So he says, now Mazel Tov, Mazel Tov now. Because once you get the echo, it validates the, the first thing. So in life, you always get the echo in life. Don't expect to just to have positive thoughts without echoes. There's echoes all day long. Echoes could be from your family. Echoes could be from your own head. I always tell people, if you're married, if you're, if, if you're married in life, the echoes come from people. If the, you're not married, the echoes come in your own head. That's, that's where the echoes come. This is a very, very important message for us to understand. That's going to be God willing Tuesday night's class on Facebook Live. And a lot more other things dealing with finding positivity and negativity. The way you deal with, positive, with negativity is a major, 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 uh, major, major, uh, you, can, you can either have tremendous success or, or God forbid, the opposite. Today's class is going to be on the psychology of a tzimtzum. Not, not tzimtzum uh, soup, <laughs> a tzimtzum. Tzimtzum means a contraction of light. And also, we're going to take a, a chapter called Apathy and Depression from Let It Go. Beautiful, beautiful concept. So what's the difference really between the concept of a Hasidic therapy, if you went to a Hasidic therapist, and if you went to a regular therapist? What, what would be the major, major difference between these two types? What, what, the, what is this, the concept of what is a symptom in the first place? We spoke about many times about this concept, that God created the world with abundant light, and in order for, for a person, to, there was too much light in the world, and without a proper contraction, there would be no purpose for a human being. That means if, if God created the world with just light, what's the purpose of, what would it be a benefit? It would only for man down here to be able to, to connect to that light. And in order for, the way he did that is he created a tzimtzum. He removed himself, he created a contraction of light, the ten vessels broke, which is the shattering of the vessels, and that was the beginning of creation. This teaches us very simple in life that we're always going to have a contraction of light. And then the contraction of light is a place where you can create. The contraction of light is a place of creation. Because there's no, there's no, that's where free choice is. And that's where a person has to decide, choose right over the darkness. 
if there's all abundant light, I don't need to bring a flashlight in the middle of the day because there's plenty of light. I only need to bring a flashlight when there's no light. So a tzimtzum in life means a contraction. Contraction of anything. For example, you could see the NBA today. It's a tzimtzum. The heat. I'll just give you an example. They have three players. The main four players are out and they're playing with like fourth, you know, guys they've never even heard of. And they're trying to... They're in a tzimtzum. The whole world... People have COVID. It's a symptom. Symptom means a contraction of light. The light is being withheld. So what is the psychology of a symptom? So a lot of times in life, you could tell a person going through a situation in his life, you could say, this is a symptom. This is a contraction of light in order to create a new light. Or you could say, this happened because your father made you like this, etc. And you could get stuck in the past. So there's a concept also in Hasidus that talks about there's the past. There's always a person has to go for, to, from a, to a yurida in order to get an aliyah. The purpose of that is obviously very simple, because if you don't go for a yerida, you'll never appreciate the yerida. If you don't go for the down, you'll never appreciate the high, because you'll think it's you. The, the reason why God has to constantly put, put, put us constantly in la- downs and ups and downs and ups, because we might become a little arrogant thinking that it's on our hands, that we got it in control. Very similar to what's happening in the world. God takes away the virus. Okay, another one. It's like there's no smooth sailing. Science and vaccines and all this. Man thinks he can control everything. God will tell you in one minute I can flip everything around. And you have to be very careful with this whole virus situation on said. Because so far you're A, there's an alpha, there's a delta, and there's an omicron. You still have like 20 letters left in the alphabet. So start building your immune system. And let's not get caught up in, the, in, these, uh, in these variances. So what's the difference between the Hasidic concept versus the regular concept. Psychotherapy focuses solely on the past. There's the, the, the Freud approach. A person sits on the couch while the patient engages with, with the struggle by watching, again, a film of his past until he can fight and defeat it. He looks at the past straight in the eye, kills it, and grows from having defeated it. The source of this perspective is the view for, of Christianity, which believes that a person has to acknowledge his share in the original sin. This is something that they believe about. Um, that's Christianity. Everybody comes from the original sin. Catholic, uh, being Catholic is achieved by deep remorse and confession before a priest. Protestants is done through an individual's constant battle with his consciousness through accepting what he can accept or what he can't accept, what was predestined by God. In psychoanalysis, the retrospective viewpoint takes the form of continual search for some dark form of an event that can explain why the patient's present difficulties. The search is often accompanied by despair, which becomes the motivation for this journey dealing with the person's past. We, we label it what, what happened, okay, it was a, a bad childhood, abusive relationship, etc. Whatever, whatever it was that happened in that person's life, that is dictating his behaviors today. Because remember, your subconscious does not know the difference between right now or something that happened 20 years ago. So you could pretty much relate, keep on, keep on doing the same behaviors even though something happened to you 20 years ago. In contrast to retrospective therapy, the Hasidic offers a prospective therapy going into the future, which is oriented, focusing on the future Unlike psychoanalysis, which focuses on the past, the psychology of its symptom opens up a change of teshuva by teaching us to adjust our attitude towards the past. We spoke about the same concept of Yosef Atzadik, 
the past was I was sent here, giving meaning to the past, saying that the past was all a, a learning curve for me to get me closer to my Creator. This is why a Creator says when you come back to Him with love, that means of course, what do you mean? You get double up. But when you come back to Him with love, it means you had to fall. And this is why David Melech says, uh, says he really never fell. It was made to happen so people would see, have a, have a, to have the concept of tshuva. And also, the, the Jews were, were so great, they didn't, how could they serve the, the, the golden calf? It's to teach us all that they all had to go from a Yerida in order to, get, to go to an Aliyah. And this is why, if you understand the psychology method between when the Jews sinned in the golden calf, what did Hashem say? Go build, a, go build a Mishkan right away. Go do something good. Which is what's teaching us today. I try to help people many times. And all day long they want to talk about the past, the past, the past, the past, the past. God's not concerned about the past anymore. He's concerned what you're doing now. What are you doing right now? What is your rituals right now? You have to build a new road. Okay, that road that you go through in the past keeps on taking you to the same place all the time. Which is called the dead end. You need to build a new road. This is exactly what the message of Hasidut and Rabbi Nachman says. You need to build a new road. You need to build new rituals. What is the difference what happened in the past? It happens. And that itself is, is where we have to understand that. And this is why the concept of a Zamr is so effective. Sing with what you have. The concept of, of the Mishkan with the Jews. So what do you mean? All of a sudden they go from serving an idol to, build, to building a Beit HaVikdash? To building a Mishkan? How in the world can you go from one end to the other? Because we think sometimes God takes away your knowledge, so you sin. So to experience something. And then to humble you, and once you humble, you cry out to God, and He gives you back more than you ever, ever would have ever imagined before. This is what you need to understand. People are stuck too much in remorse and guilt and apathy and depression. This is a made up movie in your own head, and you need to understand that. What God's concerned, what are you doing now? In contrast to retro, the Hasidic offers perspective, which is oriented towards the future. Unlike psychoanalysis, which focuses on the past, the psychology of symptoms opens the possibility of change by adjusting your attitude, rewriting the script of the past. The verbal root of the teshuva comes to return, return to the starting point. Not only that, but to reinterpret. And this is what the concept of never despairing, never let yourself become sad and never regret. Hasidim avoids the past because according to their leaders, doing so has no positive purpose to it. With regards to the future, it creates an unhealthy obsession over previous transgressions, prevents us from being concerned with the tikkun. Because I already have enough of a battle dealing with hitting my goals today. If I bring the past into the present, I'm not going to have a shot. I'm not going to have a shot. I'm not going to have a shot. For those trying to undergo the process of change, they imagine an inescapable past presents them with a tyrannical fat father. And this is the problem. When a person is in apathy and depression, he's in these negative states, he's thinking his creator is a tyrannical father out to get him and out to destroy his life. And this also where beliefs have to change. You have to believe that God loves you and he wants the best from you and he wants to give from you. But obviously, if you don't check in, what happens? Then you're only, he can only, he's only there where we let him in. The present is now. This is what Rab Nachman teaches and Rav Zusha, all these Siddiquim. They teach us the present is now, the moment which you are created. And the present now is preceded by another now. And guess what? In an hour from now, there'll be another now. And an hour from that, there'll be another now. 
God, the world is constantly being, it's constantly being recreated over and over again. Constantly, creation is constantly being re, recreated, recreated, recreated. This is why Rav Nachum, when they took his pulse, 10 minutes later, he had, a, he, was, he had a whole completely different pulse. What are you talking about? He, was, he constantly recreated himself. The doctors didn't recognize his pulse. What do you mean? How, how, could, it, how could the pulse change 10 minutes from now? Because he constantly recreated himself. And this is where we have to understand. It does not matter whether you push away the mud this way or that way. Did I sin? Did I not sin? What possible benefit does heaven get from you right now if you're sitting there and such questions? After all, I could spend my time creating a beautiful necklace to bring joy to heaven. Why would I go and constantly perjugate myself? This is where we, we understand the concept. Depart from evil and do good. Don't dwell on the evil, do good. The Rebbe of Gore had harsh words for those who contemplate their past and result in engage in self-recrimination. When we drown ourselves in thoughts about the past transgressions, we cannot change. This is the fundamental difference between the Christian model attitude, which focuses on the regret of the past, versus the Hasidic model, which focuses on what are you doing now? Somebody came to Rav Nassim in a dream and told him, listen, I have this dream that this happened and this happened. He says, I'm not interested in your dreams. I'm interested in what you're doing right now. What are you doing right now? And it's funny, me and Ben just had this conversation. He's talking to me about what happened in his past, and this, and his father, blah, 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 whatever happened. But I told him, right now, you, you have tremendous momentum. You're waking up every morning here. Uh, you're here every morning, 6 o'clock in the morning in Miami, which is, that itself is a miracle itself, to wake up in Miami. Believe it or not, that itself is a Neskadol. It should be Hanukkah. He's waking up. He's facing his stuff instead of stuffing his face. He's got momentum. That's what you will have to worry about right now. This is exactly what Rav Nachman teaches us. I will sing. Start singing with momentum. And stop complaining with what happened. That's Rav Nachman. This is the Rav Nachman. It makes no sense. There's no logic. But remember, the Yetzirah wants you to control. And wants you to get stuck. So that's what you have to focus on. Momentum. And this is the same thing if you watch sports. We're waiting for the team to make a run. You know, we're all waiting. We're all waiting for that movie to change around. Everybody's waiting for that comeback, that turnaround. And, 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 and okay, you're down 21 nothing. Yes, you're down 21 nothing. How's that going to help you come back in the game? Unless you decide we need to hit, we need to get a quick score. And, and you could see this in sports. The first thing is, let's, let's stop the bleeding. Get a quick score. They'll find a way to get a quick score just to get moving. And this brings us the beautiful analogy of the turkey prince. With the turkey, with the man's underneath the table. And he's acting like a turkey. The prince is underneath the table. And the first thing they tell him, put on your shirt. Not put on your pants. Because you need, it's easier to put on a shirt than to put on the pants. You need a quick score. In life, you need a quick score. When you're in a rut, you just need a quick score. We could speak about, uh, what's his name? Um, the guy who wrote 12 Rules for Life. What does he tell people? Clean up your room. That's a quick score. Because you can't clean the world, you can't fix the world if you can't fix, if you can't clean up your room. Bottom line. If you can't make up your room, you cannot make up, you cannot fix the world. So it's the whole concept about getting a quick score. People are depressed. Tell them, go volunteer. Do good. Do something. Do you understand? Because that itself does, has a major change. Kabbalistically, we all have a dominant pulse rate. There's a dominant pulse connected to your, your, your pulse rate. 
and that's all rooted in earth, fire, water, and air. So if a person is, God forbid, lethargic, depressed, etc., he has to understand he's connected to a very to earth, to sadness. He's connected to earth, malchus. What he needs to do is he needs to repair that pulse and change his pulse. And this is as people who reinterpret their past, create a new autobiography, they write a new music component of their life, and produce a new life melody. Same thing, I had a rough childhood. I could say, I could say you know what? Thank God I had a rough childhood. Because if, if it wasn't a rough childhood, I would never become so independent. <laughs> so that's a blessing in disguise. It was a blessing in disguise. Imagine your father all day long holding your hand. Your whole life, till you're 19. What's that going to do to you? going to destroy you. All of a sudden, you got, your father holds your hand for 19 years old. All of a sudden, he lets go. And one little thing happens. You're stuck in trauma. Thank God! I'm, you know, same thing when we have a child and he's on his, his bicycle. And he's on the training wheels. You have to let him fall. And he has to find a way to get up. You're teaching him tremendous things in life. Our Creator is teaching us tremendous gifts when he lets us fall on our face and we get up. He's teaching you tremendous lessons. But you have to have the belief that he loves you. If you don't have the belief that he loves you, then you're looking at his, why did you, why did you let me fall? This is the problem today. We, 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 we don't have the big picture today. We're too stuck on science and routine and, and teva and all this, and we lose that hope, etc. And this is why we have to today, Hasidic model rewrites the past. Many times I told somebody, very simple. The first question he asked me, he says, listen, I had a major, major breakup with this girl. And I was just listening, major, major breakup, and I started listening to Rav Nachman's teachings after that. <laughs> the story's over. You mean the breakup got you to Rabbi Nachman's teachings? I, you should start dancing right now. If that took you, if pain, that little pain got you to Rav Nachman, do you understand the gift that God gave you? Would you open to, would you have listened? This is a guy who was a Dafyomi guy, Litvik, he would have never gotten to Rav Nachman if his heart wasn't broken. Never, never in a million years. That got him to Rabbi Nachman's teachings. I said, there you go. That, the rest is history. I said, you should be th- send the girl a gift because of what, the gift she gave you. That's how you reinterpret the past. Or you can talk about why I got dumped all day long. You can talk about why you got dumped all day long. But I told him, all I had to hear is that girl got you to Rabbi Nachman's teachings? Wow, what a, how lucky are you? And his perspective completely changed. And he was so grateful that he never saw it that way. And this is exactly why, what, is it, what did it do for you? Your most after is, what did it do? What does this lesson do for you? And the, once you get that change, that story in the past, then you got to go forward into growth. You got to go forward into momentum. And you got and your creator's judging you for what's next. And this is where we have to be careful. David, um, David Hawkins talks about the, the, the subject that when we get into this, God forbid, despair mode, into this, we get into therapy too, too long, we become institutionalized. I tell people, clients all the time, sometimes they become too institutionalized. They, that's it. They think this is it. <laughs> and that itself is a problem. Apathy is the belief of I can't. It's the feeling that I cannot do anything about the situation and nobody can help. It's hopelessness and helplessness. It's who cares about me? Why bother? I can't win anyway. Oh well, this is the model that when we fall into this, this negative, when you get stuck in the past too much, you fall, God forbid, into this model, into this concept. And this is where the, the apathy and depression are the prices we pay 
for having settled and brought it, our minds into smallness. You bought into smallness. This is what you, 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 you subscribe to, smallness. You have greatness inside of you, but you rather you pay the price for smallness. It's what we get for having played a victim and allowed ourselves to be programmed. Period. When you're a victim, you allow yourself to be programmed. It's the price we pay for having brought into negativity. It's the results from resulting from resisting part of ourselves and that's, that's loving and courageous and great. It's all the results from us allowing ourselves to be invalidated by others in the negative contents. So what does it mean? Now we have to get into consciousness. This is why a lot of people in trauma, a lot of people go through a lot of pain. Their main problem in life is disassociation, which is very connected to Gabriel Matt and ADHD. Constantly disassociate. You have to associate. <laughs> Our job, you che- you're, we're using constant checking out. Now you got to check in. And unfortunately, the phone is the biggest problem because we're, t- we're too checked out every time. Look what he's saying, something beautiful. One of the biggest blocks to overcome this is getting out, to getting out of depression and apathy is blame. The number one step is you have to stop blaming people. Stop blaming your parents. Stop blaming this person. It's the number one thing. Blame is the number one segula to keep you in a problem. Blame in a whole subject is looking, it looks, it's rewarding. Why? There's a lot of payoff to blame. I, I, first of all, I'm innocent. I feel innocent. I get tremendous amount of pity from everybody. Tremendous amount of pity. We get to be the martyr, the victim, and we get to be the recipients of sympathy. And I always ask people, what do you want people to look, do you want people to look up to you or do you want people to feel sorry for you? Perhaps the biggest payoff of blame is that we get to be an innocent victim and the other party's the bad one. How many times have we seen this? Blame is the world's greatest excuse and it enables us to remain limited and small without feeling guilty. You understand? So while you're blaming, you can remain small and limited, but you don't feel guilty about it because at least you have somebody to blame. But there's a cost. You lose your freedom. That's the price. When you blame somebody, already you lost your freedom. Another role of being a victim is self-persecution of weakness, vulnerability, and helplessness. And then what happens is when you try to talk to people, I'm very sensitive. Do you understand being too insensitive is like saying I have a big ego in a nice way. Insensitivity is like saying I have a big ego in a nice way. That means you don't want to hear it, but you're telling me it in a nice way. In being too sensitive prevents you from growing. Prevents you from growing. We'll give you a hug, but you can't be so insensitive. You have to be able to take proper rebuke and not take it so personal. Because otherwise, you can never change. The first step out of blame is to see that we are choosing to blame. You're cho- this is something you chose. Other people who have gone under similar circumstances have forgotten and handled the same situation completely different. Not everybody chose that thing. Not everybody chose the same thing. You chose to blame somebody. Many times, in helping people getting, ma- getting remarried, I said, if you talk about your ex-wife or your ex-husband and you blame them for this, I can't help you because I, I need help from heaven. I can't help you if you're, pro- <laughs> if you're all day long, this is the cause of your, of your problem. You're never going to get a Yeshua. 
Because blaming is a lack of emuna. Number one, blaming is a lack of emuna. Blaming is a lack of emuna. Period. Stop talking to me about your father. Rewrite the past. Your mother, your father, whatever it is. If they were able to give you love, they would have given it to you. They didn't have it, so they couldn't give it to you. Period. It's that simple. Just like you wouldn't be upset if your father couldn't play baseball if he broke his arm. He has no hand to throw it to you. How is he going to throw you a baseball? Stop making everything about you. That's the key. Same thing with a spouse. Stop saying my husband took 10 years from me. Nobody took 10 years from you. You took it from yourself. This one took my life from me. This one did this. Nobody took anything from you. You chose to blame. You chose to be comfortable. And this is something that's a, it's an option. My rabbi insulted me. I'm not religious anymore. You chose. You wanted a cop out. You found a way. You just found a way. That's it. You really didn't want to. I've been insulted by people. You think I, 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 I jump shipped? No. You didn't want to. You didn't want to. You had a bad case of food poisoning. You didn't want to. Period. We see that Viktor Frankl did not choose to become a victim. He chose to find meaning in his suffering. And many other people. We have to be honest and realize that blaming is because we chose to blame. It's a beautiful, beautiful concept. You have to first understand that. You're choosing this. It's not, it's not given to you by Creator. It's something you're choosing. The attraction to blame arises in early childhood. You know why? What do children do when they make a mess? Shefa did it. All my kids do. They blame it on the other one. As little kids, we're programmed to say, he hit me first, she hit me first. It's a childhood thing. But you recognize you're not in, you're not in a playground anymore. You're in life. In while a childhood, you forget. But when you're, you're a grown adult, you can't do that anymore. <laughs> you can't do that anymore. You're not a child. Yesterday was my kid's birthday party. Did you do the... Blaming, blaming. All the kids do is blame. I took my toy, she took my... He took my life from me, she didn't take my life from me. Never say that. That itself is a problem. Blame is a central I- issue resulting in a lawsuits, etc. Blame is just another negative program we've allowed to, 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 to our thing. Saying, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. To overcome blame, it's necessary to look at the secret satisfaction and enjoyment that you're getting from it and to begin to surrender all of these little payoffs. So he's saying something very beautiful. What benefits do you get from blame? You don't feel guilty. You have to surrender that. You don't have to really grow. You could stay in a bubble. You have to surrender that. You have to surrender all the little, you're getting a little, little you get paybacks. Like just like a person gets even. When a person gets revenge on somebody, like we call it back, we call it emotional blackmail. I'm not talking to you until you do this for me. He's getting, he's getting something from that. So you have to surrender all of these little rewards that you're getting. People think victims, people in this state don't get rewards. They get plenty of rewards. They get victim call. Oh, you have to surrender all this. It's very, very important because you're, you're getting benefit from this. Listen to this line, which has really, really hit me hard, which is so beautiful. He says, the depression, apathy, therefore, results from the willingness to hang on to your small self and your small belief system, plus the resistance to not allow your higher self in. Which is exactly that. 
When you're in the state, you're, you're basically telling your creator, I'm not allowing you in. You're not allowing your resistance. What are you doing? You're, you're hanging on to those systems. Worst, when the more you hang on to these systems, this is what Rabbi Nachman says clearly. The more your emunah grows, the more the false beliefs conquer. Period. The night, the more the, the day grows, the more the night's done. But the more the, night, the day is down and the more a person's dot, the more fears he has. Same thing. To the extent that I have 100% trust in God, I have no fear. I have no fear, I have no story, I have no control. But to the extent where I have no trust in God, then the fears go up 100% in all areas of my life. You understand? It's directly proportionate. The more light I have in my life, the less darkness I have in my life. Period. One undoes the other. The more I let my higher self, so this is where we're hanging on to our small self and our belief systems, plus the resistance to go on to the higher self, etc. And he says, and this is really the key, the more we recognize this, what you're doing is, is your, another thing he's saying, is our, high, our higher self, which is, might be saying the uh, composite of higher feelings, is, has unlimited, remember what he's saying, when you're allowing your higher self in, your higher self has unlimited potential for you. Financially, mentally, emotionally. This is what happens when you don't allow your higher self in. You don't allow your neshama and your purpose in life. By staying to these victor, this mindset, you're not allowing your, the God, your creator, which is your higher self, your higher neshama inside, and allowing you to take care of all these opportunities. And this is where another cause for apathy is the residual of previously extremist trauma, traumatic overwhelming, without being resolved. So it's very, very important. A lot of stuff is unresolved trauma because the mind projects onto the future with the expectation that the past will be repeated. This is the main thing with trauma. You're always thinking the, the past is going to equal the future. And that's something we really, really need to. So again, my best advice is with, with anything else, and, this is, and he's saying one last thing, he says this is very common in divorce cases. What happens, you see in most divorce cases, all often after a divorce, you're followed by bitterness, impaired capacity to create a new loving relationship, the unwillingness to get low, let go of blame, and constantly, what happens is it constantly sabotages new relationships. So, I can't tell you how important this concept is. The Hasidic model, do something positive. Let your higher self in, and then create small wins. It could be a five-minute gratitude. Just get that momentum. Because once you get that momentum, then you recognize that's a Hasidic model. Do good. Shy away from that story because that story is, 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 that story is full with lack of emuna. Because when you're in a greater consciousness, you will reinterpret the past by saying, this past made me. But when, we're not, when, when we have no emuna, we're saying we're the victims of the past. And this is something that we really, really... Rabbi Nachman says this is the biggest shift from going into Mocham Kadnut to Mocham Gadlut. And when you're in Mocham Kadnut, you're under the name Elohim. You're under a different name of God. When you're in small-mindedness, you're in the name of Elohim. When you're in open-mindedness, you're in the name of Yudke Vavke and Kel. Yudke Vavke and Kel represent loving kindness and mercy. So you can see there's a shift. As you make a shift yourself from your smallness to greatness, there's also a shift in your higher power. Hashem uses different names. Yerke Vavke and Kel. That's awakened for you. When you see the big picture, mercy is awakened for you. But when you see the small picture, 
you're under the name of Tava. Have a great day.